At this time, we're going to prepare for our tithes and our offerings. So we'll have spoken word from our pulpit. The deacons will provide an opportunity for the tithers to come, followed by the urshers, where we all participate in the selection to the choir. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. But this I say unto you, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. May the Lord add his blessings to the hearers, the readers, and the doers of his holy word. Ushers, choir. the solo mic again please Everything I'll be 
doxology. special music and that's just an opportunity for us to just block out the world and to prepare our minds from the word from the pulpit so this time the choir which y'all singing awesome today kids the choir will provide our special music
Come on, give him a hand again. Oh, I love you. Come on, y'all. I need you to serve. I, I won't harm you. person important is next to you, look at them and tell them you are. Tell them I need you, I need you. Don't tell a lie now, don't tell a lie. You got another chance. If they're really important to you, tell them you. I need you, I need you. Hey, you are, you are, you are, you are. Come on and bless the Lord in this house. Give the Lord a great big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Now give our children a great big hand of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. What a wonderful. Hallelujah. My God, thank God for our children reminding us how important we are to each other. Don't fool yourself. You're not going to get through this life by yourself. You need somebody. Somebody's praying for you. Somebody's thinking about you. Somebody's even, even opening doors for you that you aren't aware of. We just need each other. Need each other. And thank God for these children. That blessed my heart. Is anybody else blessed by them this morning? Young people, you all have stirred up our spirits this morning. Thanks be to God for your, your, your authenticity of worship, your purity of praise. Thank God for your gift of music and for preparing our hearts for the word of God. Amen. 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 I want to invite your attention now then to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. As we begin, this is the first Sunday of the Advent season as we make our way to Christmas Day when we celebrate the birth of Christ. This being the first Sunday of Advent, we want to jump right into the Christmas story itself. From Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2, these words are recorded. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus 
that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was made first when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to talk from the subject this morning, unwrapping the Christ of Christmas. Unwrapping the Christ of Christmas. As we approach the celebration of Christ's birth, my prayer is that somehow God will make this Christmas different for us in the way that we would experience it afresh. We would experience the hope of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, and the meaning of Christmas in all of its fullness. Somehow, the holiday noise gets in the way of what Christmas really means. My prayer, again, is that Somehow we would not let the socials and the soirees, the parties and the potlucks, the pageants and the parades and the programs, the secret Santas and the Christmas concerts cause us to miss the Christ of Christmas. I pray that we would see with new eyes and hear with new ears and receive with new hearts the Christ of Christmas. For to do that would dramatically transform not only how we see Christmas, but how we view the world and how we live in this world. To see authentically the Christ of Christmas would shift our perspective and change or challenge our priorities. To hear the Christ of Christmas would require that we listen more intently to the voice of God, but also be in tune with the heartbeat of humanity. To encounter the Christ of Christmas would require that we align ourselves more closely and more purposefully with the poor. No, you weren't expecting that one. You see, because at its core, Christmas is an invitation to identify with the needy. Yeah, yeah. To sit with those who live outside of life's margins, to engage in the drama of the oppressed, and to be found with the forgotten and the left out. I know, I know, I know as I say all of that, it's hard for you to think about Christmas in those terms, and that's because the world has done a good job of changing 
what we think Christmas is about. And the world has wrapped Christmas up in everything except what it is. With all of its Black Friday sales and doorbuster savings, it is difficult for us to beat back the bush of what Christmas has become. But if we were to strip Christmas of its down to its essential nature, we would find a story of simplicity that is born out of poverty. Strip it down to its bare bones, we find a story of tyranny that oppressed and subjugated people to a life of subservience. We would find a complex story of the convergence of divinity, humanity, and paternity all in the same place careful reading of this New Testament narrative in its historical context will let us reclaim the biblical Christ of Christmas and help us to clear away the world's wrapping so that we can truly encounter and be changed by this Christ. That's a challenge. I know it is. Because we all have memories and thoughts and ideas of what Christmas is supposed to be. Christmas is supposed to be wintry and chilly and cold and snowy. And Did you know most of the world doesn't even see snow at Christmas? But we have these visions and fantasies of what Christmas is supposed to be. It's supposed to, it's supposed to, it's supposed to have bright wrappings and it's supposed to have jingle bells and it's supposed to have, and, and, and none of that could be further from biblical Christmas. If we're to experience the Christ of Christmas, I'm talking about what you want to do, but the Christ of Christmas is a very different Christmas altogether. When we look at the historical context of Christ's birth, this text places us right in the middle of a very uncomfortable setting. In fact, the first thing we see when we start to unwrap the Christ of Christmas, we see, first of all, a story of tyranny. When you read this very first, these very first verses that we just read, that should make you uncomfortable. There's nothing pretty about this text. It's a story that begins with tyranny. Luke says that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be taxed. You remember Caesar Augustus is the Roman emperor. Rome is expanding all of its empire and is beginning to gradually take over more and more territories in the eastern Mediterranean. This includes North Africa and Egypt, Asia, Minor, modern-day Turkey and Syria, and eventually even Judea. The way the Rome maintains control of its territories is every time it, every time it con conquers a new territory, it creates a province of Rome and puts there a, 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 a we'll just call him a mini king, a, a, a king who stands in the place of Caesar. And in Judea, that mini king was a man by the name of Herod. Y'all remember who Herod was, don't you? Herod was the one who the wise men came to see and said, we heard about a king, a newborn king being born over in the east. Where is he that we may come and worship him? That's the king that Caesar Augustus puts in place in Judea to maintain control as Rome is expanding. Are you with me? It is in this context then of Roman occupation of Judea that Jesus is born. 
Jesus is born in his homeland, but it is a homeland that is occupied by a foreign occupier. And in order to keep control of the land that they have conquered, Caesar says, we need to take a census. Says, let's take a census because from the census we'll know how much to tax them, and from the census we'll also know how many of them there are. Because if we can count them, we can control them. Y'all not talking to me in here. If, if we can count them, if we know how many there are, then we can keep our grips on them. If we know how many we're dealing with, then we know how many troops to put here. Just in case they ever think about insurrection, we'll have a grip on them. Let's count them. So we can control them. And everyone is ordered then to go back to their homeland to be counted. That's why Joseph, is back, Joseph with Mary is going back to his hometown of Bethlehem to be counted in the census. And it is there where Jesus is born in the midst of tyranny. He's born in a homeland that has been occupied by a foreign regime. And this Roman regime would be the governing authority throughout the life of Jesus. For his 33 years on earth, Rome stayed in control. From his birth to his death, Rome controlled his land. Wow. When you keep that historical context in mind, it should bring that much more depth and awe to the birth of Christ because here was the Messiah being born in the context of expanding Roman kingdom. Caesar Augustus is attempting to make himself as a god. Remember, Caesar Augustus had a god complex. He would tell people to refer to him as the son of God. He thought of himself as the son of God and made his subjects refer to him as the son of God. Little did he know that he was actually being used by God to help bring the son of God into the world. Watch it, because of the decree, because he said, let's count them. That's what caused Joseph to go to Bethlehem in the first place. And you remember back in Malachi 5 and 2, the old prophet said, out of Bethlehem shall come the ruler of Israel. Don't, isn't it amazing how God can sometimes take evil folk and use them to perform his perfect will? You don't even have to know God, but God will use folk who don't know him just to make things happen according to his plan and his purpose God God said yeah I, I, I'm going to use you that's why that's why that's why I'm not too concerned about the election this past week y'all not praying with me you see because I'm going to do my part I'm going to vote and I'm going to always encourage you to vote we got to do what we know is right to do but if our candidates don't get to the seats that we're voting them in, there's another seat and nobody can ever run for. There's another seat that sits higher than every other seat and that seat occupied by God himself. That's the God who controls everything in earth and in heaven. And if he decides to, he can even use evil presidents, I mean kings. He can use evil people to perform his will. Come on and talk to me if you will. He 
can use them to do what he wants. Do I have a witness here? Yes, 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 yes. So here, Jesus is born in the context of story of tyranny. Tell your neighbor, that wasn't pretty. That wasn't pretty, that wasn't pretty. But, but, but that's not the only thing. That's not the only story when we unwrap the Christ of Christmas. We not only see a story of tyranny, but we see a story of paternity. A story of paternity. In other words, a story of fatherhood. For a while, while during this Christmas season, I'm sure we will at some point sing the song, What Child Is This? That is not the song that Joseph was singing. Instead of what child is this, Joseph was singing, Whose child? Whose child wish y'all would talk to me in here? Because I know it ain't. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. It's a story of paternity. Whose child is this? Joseph is met with some unwelcome news. It causes him to go and have a talk with the Lord. Y'all read it. It's in there. He, he, he loves this woman, but, but he, when he gets this news, he, he says, wait a minute now. You, you're telling me. You're pregnant, and it ain't mine. What you want me to do with that, Mary? I'm, I'm, I'm. What, what do you want me to do with that? I, we're engaged, you're pregnant, and it ain't mine. Where do we go, Mary? What, 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 do, you, what do you want my response to be? Talk to me, somebody. <laughs> Joseph does the only thing. Man of God can do. He goes and talks to the Lord. Says, Lord, Lord, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And the Lord talks to him and says, No, no, Mary, no, 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 Joseph, understand. This thing that's going on with Mary it is not of you, it, it is of God, and I've chosen you to be the father of this child. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Joseph, Joseph has decided before this talk with the Lord, Joseph has already decided how he's going to handle it. The text says he decided he's going to put Mary away privately. In other words, he's saying, listen, we'll just call the whole thing off. Let, 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 let's, let's just part ways let, and you know what uh, I, I won't tell what's going on I'm not going to expose you because if I expose you they might kill you because remember in this day for that kind of sin women were stoned to death so he says no I'm not going to let that happen to you because I love you too much to let them stone you to death but, but I, I don't know that I can deal with raising somebody else's son See, it got real real right there. It got, it got real right there. I don't know if I can deal with raising somebody else's boy. And you telling me this old stuff, Mary, but, but, but I, it just don't make sense. And, and all I know is you show it. That's all I know. So I'm going to put you, and the Lord changes. What, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that this is a story about fatherhood, about men who stand in the gap. And God says to Joseph, Joseph, you're not the daddy, but you're going to be his father. You're going to raise this boy. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. But God so loved Jesus that he gave him Joseph. 
Joseph, a man who would not run out on him. Joseph, a man who looked at him and said, I don't know whose boy you are, but I'm going to raise you as my own. I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there for you. And I'm going to go to your games. I'm going to teach you how to mow the yard. I'm going to teach you how to work these tools so you can have a trade and make something of yourself. I don't know whose boy you are, but I'm going to raise you as my own. It's a story of paternity of men who stand in the gap. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad this morning that every now and then God raises up some men and some boys' lives to stand in the gap, to raise them even though they aren't theirs, to raise them as their own. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. And you, you know what this, you know, you, you, know, you know how I would interpret this today? That maybe Christmas is not so much about what we give, what we get, but what we give. It's not so much about what somebody gets us, but what we give to someone else. And maybe, I don't know who this is for, maybe, 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 maybe your gift to some child is being there. Forget the Nikes for a minute. Forget the Jordans for a minute. Forget, forget, forget all of that for a minute. Maybe your gift is showing up for the recital. Being at the basketball game. Watch this, watch this. Maybe your gift is going, is going watch this, is going to the foster care agency and saying, I don't know you. You need a home. I got three extra bedrooms. You, you and your brother, you, you've been abandoned. I, I, I got two extra bedrooms. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. See, see, when you start unwrapping the Christ of Christmas, it gets real about who's going to stand in the gap for children who need somebody. Children who need to be loved. Children who need to know that they matter. Children who need to know that somebody cares about them. Christ. Christmas. Thirdly, and I'm through thirdly. This is a story, not only is it a story of tyranny, not only is it a story of paternity, but this is a story of poverty. It's a story of poverty. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know we've made Christmas real cute. And, and I love the artwork. I love the artwork on our program. Isn't it cute? I mean, look at that. Come on, look at that. Take it out. Look at it. Isn't that, isn't that just cute? Cute little lamb. Cute little donkey. Y'all get it? Y'all get it? Look at it. It's cute. Cute twinkling stars in the background. It's cute. But, but I dare say to you that there's nothing cute about poverty. And please make no mistake about it. Christ was born into poverty. We, we've made it okay to fit our sensibilities so that we can celebrate it without thinking about the poor and the needy and the left behind. But please understand, when you start unwrapping the Christ of Christmas, you've got to deal with poverty. 
she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes are bits of rags, quilt pieces that, you remember how grandmama used to make the quilts and, and she have a little piece of drapery and she have a little piece of denim and she have a little piece of corduroy and, and, and when she had enough pieces together, she'd stitch it all together. That's what swaddling clothes are, just a piece here and a piece there. She wrapped it all together to make his first blanket. That's poverty. She didn't go to a store. She had to use what she had. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a crib. No, it didn't. Laid him in a feeding trough. Didn't have no mattress. Laid him in a feeding trough where, where the animals ate their food. This is a story of poverty. And she laid him there in a feeding trough, a feeding trough that was in a barn, a barn that had boards where the wind blew through the boards because they were uninsulated, a, a barn where you looked up and you saw the night sky because it was halfway uncovered, a barn where it had a straw floor but the cold came through the floor. This was poverty and poverty ain't cute, y'all. This is not a mountainside chalet with, with, with fond memories that, that, that you'll be able to go back to your warm home and reflect on and say, didn't we have a great time? No, this is hard life. And when you start unwrapping this Christ, you got to deal with the fact that folk are living under the poverty line. And they're living it every day of their lives. The question is, at Christmas, what do Christians do about it? See, we want to do jingle bells and silver bells. Ain't no silver in poverty. All right. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. Let me help you have some Mary Mary. Amen. Merry Christmas. No, really, really, really. I, 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 really, I really do. I really do. I really do want us to think about what it means. Wh who is this Christ? How was his Christmas? And what are the implications for us Christians celebrating Christmas? I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think it means that, 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 that we've suddenly got to do away with the giving of presents and nobody can have any cheer and, and, and we got to just be bah humbug. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying we have to do Christmas more thoughtfully. Christmas more purposefully. Christmas more biblically. Are you with me? Christmas that says, you know what? If Christ brings attention to the fact, watch this, because remember, Christ could have come in regal robes of royalty. He, he could have chosen to come in, in the form of the king that he is, but he chose to come in poverty, which, which brings light to the fact, watch this, that, that as Christians, we can't overlook people. Because God can show up anywhere we, we can't overlook 
people because of their backgrounds. We can't overlook people because of their economic status. We can't overlook people because of their educational pursuits or attainments. We can't overlook people because of their zip codes. We can't overlook people because of what they have or don't have because God shows up everywhere. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, and if we're going to worship this Christ of Christmas, we've got to see everybody in their humanity. Yeah. So we are asked to do three things, and I'm through. Number one, we're asked to live more simply. What does that mean? That means, that means at some point we've got to ask ourselves the question, what is life really about? Is it about all the stuff that we make it about, the getting more stuff, getting more things, having a bigger closet and, 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 and having a bigger car and, and, and having a bigger... Jesus, Jesus came in poverty, lived in poverty, and then he taught his disciples. He said, listen, life is more than food and raiment. He said, listen, don't, don't put your trust in things that, that rust can destroy and, and moths can eat up and thieves can steal. Life is more than this temporary stuff. We are called as Christians to then live more simply. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy things. I'm not telling anybody not to enjoy Christmas and not to enjoy life. Enjoy life. But don't make life about things. Don't make life about stuff. Live more simply. Number two, love more deeply. Joseph loved Mary enough not to put her away, but to actually embrace her. Mary loved God enough not to say you find yourself somebody else, but to say, Lord, here am I. Whatever you say, let it be so. Loving more deeply means that we sacrifice our own wants for the good of others. Thirdly, give more personally. Give more personally. While you're out shopping, no doubt, looking for the perfect gift, amen. And listen, as I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you it's wrong to give gifts. Some, some people take that extent. That is not the point of this message. Amen. I ain't getting nobody off the hook. Amen. Pastor said, I ain't supposed to buy you nothing. Nope, you ain't, uh -uh, ain't going to get me in that. Get you in trouble. And don't be bringing me in that. That's between you and her, him and her, and all that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Stay married. Stay married. Amen. Amen. Stay married. Stay married. But I am saying give more personally. What do you mean by give more personally? In other words, the perfect gift may not be something that you buy, but something that you invest. The investment of your time, the investment of your attention, the investment of your person. I'm going to say it again because, because the, watch this, the investment of your attention. That means that, 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 that when I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my undivided. I'm going to say it again because somebody was on their phone. Uh, I, while I'm talking to you, I'm giving you my undivided you got it, you got it, you got it. Undivided attention. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here with, I'm in the room with you, and guess what? Everything else can wait. Preach, Buckley. Preach, Buckley. Preach, Buckley. Preach, Buckley. Everything else can wait. Oh, she's going to use it on me later on. I know. She's going to use Bless your heart. Bless your She said, oh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. 
I'm with you. And everything else can wait. What a gift. I mean, what a gift. What a gift. That I give myself more personally to you. That I invest myself, watch this, I invest myself in your issues such that your issues become my issues and you're not walking through it by yourself. That's giving more personally. My prayer for you is that we would unwrap the Christ, this Christ of Christmas. One who was able to endure tyranny, live through it, and even conquer it. One who was able to understand paternity, recognizing that God loved him so enough that he gave him an earthly father, not replacing his heavenly father, but rather raising him up on earth. This Christ, this Christ is a Christ of poverty who says to us, we have to recognize people where they are and recognize and respect their humanity no matter where they come from. That's the Christ of Christmas. That's the Christ that I ask we encounter this Christmas. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, how grateful we are for your Son coming in the form of a child. <laughs> Came and he didn't come with all of the splendor of heaven, but rather he came simply as a baby. A baby who would depend on a mother and a father to do right by him. God, I pray now that this Christ of Christmas would be the Christ that we not only celebrate, but would be the one who then shapes our worldview, will shape how we do life, how we live life, how we, in fact, understand life and live our lives accordingly. God, I pray for someone now who needs to know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. God, I pray for this individual who is here, may have even already given their lives to Christ, but has not given themselves to a church home where they can live out their faith with brothers and sisters and do what these children sang earlier, saying, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. I pray for an individual who may have come and perhaps over the course of time, distance themselves and fallen away and but needs to restore fellowship with you whatever the situation whatever the issue whatever if it fits any of those God I pray now that by your spirit you would quicken these individuals to come and say that's me that's my situation and Lord here I am in Jesus name now, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and any of those situations fit your description, if that fits your, 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 your moment where you are right now, I invite you now to come and take one of these seats that are being let out right now and, and become a part of the body of Christ, become a part of this church, come back to Christ, whatever your situation is. The doors of the church are open and the invitation is extended to you now. Christ is all, our all in all. I don't possess yes. houses or land, fine clothes or jewelry, sorrows and cares in this old world, my lot seems to be. 
I'm going to ask Sister Stucky to stand. Sister Stucky is coming by Christian experience. And she's already indicated that she's been baptized. If this church accepts you as a member, are you willing to work with us? Yes, sir. Are you willing to study with us? Yes, sir. Amen. I'm going to... I'm going to ask that you go with Sister Foster that you be scheduled for your orientation class. God bless you. And Sister Collins comes with a statement. Y'all bear with me because this is really hard. I want all of the young men in this church that drive, that has a driving license, to just stand up and let me see. All the young men that drive in this church that has a driver's license, I want you to stand up so I can see you. Because this story I'm about to tell you is, is a reflection of you. A month ago, I was on my way to pick up my granddaughter from basketball practice in Terry. It was the night that it was really, really foggy. You couldn't see hardly in front of you. So we was driving along. And I said, Sydney, you got to help me to see because it's dark. We saw something go up in the air, which we thought it was a piece of debris. It was a car had hit a young man, two young men walking from work. I almost ran over him, but his friend wouldn't leave him. He was standing in the road, just waving his hand like this, trying to stop the traffic. So we pulled over on the side of the road. Another lady pulled over. Two white nurses pulled over. When they saw this was a young black man that they thought was dead, they left. I stayed. Another nurse from the Blair E. Bassett Children's Hospital, she was there. And what I'm trying to say is that this person hit this person and kept going. I fell in the middle of the highway trying to get across so we can pull him out the highway. And something just picked me straight up. Bad as my knees, it just picked me straight up and I started running and walking across to get him. But the point of the story is, first responders came, they had everything to start the IV with. Wouldn't nobody help us? Because this was a black boy. No record, 23 years old, walking to work, trying to do what was right. We got the IV started on him. We got him stable. When the black sheriff came, that's when the white responders stepped in to try to help us. But the essence to the story is that this young man, I'm tell you what Reverend Bucket told me, he said, you're a trooper. You're going to be all right. You don't never know what God got out there for you to do. I was upset because I was late to my appointment. The nurse was late getting to her job, but we saved him. That's the thing of it. We saved him. And my message to you all is, when you're out there driving, please pay attention to everything. Keep your license straight because before they would even try to help him, they was trying to see how he committed a crime. And he was coming from work. But the good news and the thing that I'm so glad about, I stayed in contact with his mother. I prayed with her. I said, God is a just God and he's a good God. I said, you pray to him, he going to save your child. He been in a coma for a month. He woke up thanking me today, y'all. Okay. Today, I want y'all to pray for me. This is my first time. Since this happened, I don't know what to expect. All I know is he had a lot of head trauma. He's been through 10 surgeries, 
and he is still not. So I want y'all to just help me. Pray for me so I can be strong for his mother when I see her and when I see them today for the first time. And y'all be careful, you young men. It's a price on you. It's a price you don't even know out there. They don't care about us. I saw it with my own eyes. So just pray for me. And y'all, watch watch out. Amen. 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 We're going to pray for her right now. I'm going to ask Reverend Redman if he'd come forth and administer this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, we come to you. For we look to you. You are the author and you are the finish share of our faith. Dear Lord, we, we have some faith. We have some belief. But Lord, where we do have some doubt, Father, we pray that you strengthen us. And Lord, we pray that you look into this situation. And Lord, that we pray that you work miracles. And Lord, that you heal this young man. And Lord, that you return him back to his family. And then, dear Lord, we pray for the ones who stopped by and took the time to look over this young man. Give them the nerve. Give them the nerves. Give them the courage to do what is right and do what is just in thine eyesight. Lord, we pray that you help us all. These precious prayers we do pray. And we do it in the name of Jesus the Christ, the one who went to yonder's cross for each and every one of us. Now let us all say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for that testimony. All of us, all of us, all of us, let's pay a little bit more attention. Amen. I say let's pay a little bit more attention to the road. Amen. As we travel, God bless you. Amen. Young people, I know it's tempting to text while you're driving. Amen. I know it's tempting to post Facebook and all that while you're driving. Amen. Get to where you're going first. Amen. Get to where you're going first. Not just our young people, but our old folk too. Amen. Amen. You want to show what you owe at church today? I know. Get. Amen. Go. Get to where you're going first. Amen. Then take the picture. Then take the picture and post it. Amen. God bless you. Come on. Let's stand. Let's stand. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.